0: This is the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan, Nathan, and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Territory Story podcast. We have another exciting episode for you this week. Um, given the amount of feedback that we got on the one that we did with uh, Raj Varajwin and um, uh, what's his name, uh, Ryan Ryan Pettifer. Um, We thought we'd do it again, uh, this time with uh, the candidates that uh, have put their hand up for the uh, by-election in the seat of Daly. So firstly, before I introduce uh, the candidate, I shall introduce my co-host, Mr. Peter Gowers.
0: Hi there. How are you? You thought I was just going to bolt off and forget all about you, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I? Wasn't, I wasn't 100% sure. And while you we were talking, I was just doing a little bit of research. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if I'm correct, Mr. Leon. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, so don't worry about it.
1: It's all oh, good. You, okay, you're going to go with uh 6000 or 250 or something.
0: Yes, correct.
1: <laughs> correct. <laughs> but I'm out by one. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. We'll save that for you, mate. And uh, and and Woody, I think that's... Uh, correct. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. He'll
0: get the uh, um, the title.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, look, another week, another Rebecca on the podcast, this time <laughs> yeah. Rebecca Jennings. Rebecca, welcome to the Territory Story podcast.
2: Thanks, Leon. Thanks, Peter. Good
1: to be here. Where are you exactly?
2: I am currently on Goulburn Island, and I understand that's not in my electorate. It was a
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: it was um, a work trip that I couldn't postpone any longer. Um, with the COVID, um, you know, insecurities, I guess, with travel, um, I really needed to get over here and meet with uh, my project partners on one of my projects for work. Um, I had been postponed for some time, so I am mm. only for twenty four hours, and then I will be. Back on board in the daily.
1: How do you Mm. get to Goulburn Island?
2: Fly Tiwi. They have flights, I think, from about 270 one way.
1: Okay.
3: Oh,
0: wow.
2: In-flight entertainment's fantastic. You get to just stare out the window. It's amazing. (laughs)
0: It's only short though, isn't it? Bunny hop? About an hour. Oh, that's uh, that's substantial. They couldn't Uh, give you an iPad or something? Yeah.
2: No, Um, no electronic device is allowed to be on during the
0: flight. (laughs) All right.
1: So is, is the main town Warrawee, is
2: it? Yeah, Warrawee is a small community. It's very, it's very very nice here. Everyone's very, very uh, friendly and happy and relaxed. Um, it is a small community, so um, there's not too much humbug and
3: you get to just enjoy uh-huh. it while you're here.
0: Any um, COVID stuff going on there in terms of um, mask wearing or any extra protocols?
3: Well, th-
2: I know the Northern Land Council have um, set up more restrictions for permits. Um, I think starting, I think this week or next week, um, everyone still has to wear a mask on the plane and check in. Um, but it is quite a like, like I said, there's a small community. Everyone's mm. quite spread apart. It's quite easy to to, to socially distance
0: oh, nice.
2: um, in a big area. So it is, and stunning sunsets. So I don't know whether that's COVID-friendly
3: or not.
0: But just, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right. Well, uh,
1: that's a really intriguing um, little segue. I mean, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know much about the Northern Territory uh, outside of Darwin, uh, the main regional areas. Uh, so to talk about, you know, things like Owen Island just to me is really fascinating. And the first thing I'm wondering is what's, what's the crabbing and fishing like? It must be amazing.
2: Uh, well, the, the fishing is really, really good uh, mm. when, you, when you can get out about and approve to fish. Um, but my I, well, my dad has fished around here up the rivers and everything with a permit. Don't worry, don't stress. Um, <laughs> and he the pre in previous years, and he thinks the fishing is amazing. So oh, wow. I I believe him. The yeah, everybody here believes the fishing is amazing. So part of my project is reviewing, um, I guess, indicators for healthy country. And this is a a great little spot because everyone's saying everything is fantastic and yeah, everything's yeah. healthy. So. That's good. Yeah, it is good. It is good in comparison to other areas. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: All right. Well, Rebecca, we we completely forgot to, because, I mean, we're not professional on this podcast. (laughs) So we completely forgot to actually introduce you uh, in terms of your um, candidacy. You are the uh, independent or an independent running in the by-election for the seat of Daly. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. Yes, independent.
1: Okay, okay. So we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, what we do on the Territory Story podcast is we like to get to know our people. So, first of all, can you start with where were you born?
2: Yeah, easy. So, I was born in Darwin. Um, I grew up in Berry Springs. Um, my parents still also live in Berry Springs, as does um, <coughs> my sister. Um, I moved back to Berry Springs. Um, so I lived there for, for 18 years. I went to Berry Springs Primary. I went to Mittim High School or College now it's called. Um, yeah, just a kind of classic, classic rural Darwin bush girl, I guess. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, I've been I've I've played soccer for the Litchfield Football Club for over 15 years. I did have a bit of a hiatus while I went away, away for studying. Um, I've been on the committee for five years now so I'm currently the secretary and sponsorship coordinator and play as a senior women's player um yeah I guess that's probably the broad sort of what it you know who is, who is Rebecca and where is she from um,
1: and what about your heritage where does that go back to
2: oh I'm just a classic um Australian European sort of hybrid going on to my parents my mum <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, my mum grew up in Alice Springs um, and her, her family is both from New South Wales and then also from Austria. And so, her father actually grew up in Herbensburg um, ah. outside of, of Alice Springs there as a boy. Um, so, that was quite quite some time ago. So, you can imagine the pressures of um, an Austrian young you know, teenage boy moving. To Hermansburg in, in Australia after the World War, you know, it's quite quite hectic. Mm. Um, and my dad grew up um, in South Australia
3: uh, on the coast. Right, but
2: English heritage, just a, a nice little little mix going on. I do have, mm. um, I do have a nice tan though, and I don't know if that's from the territory sun or,
3: or although well, it's more
2: natural, so it's not fake tan. Just,
1: just <laughs> it's fake, no, it's not
2: fake tan, everybody. <laughs>
1: Okay, and uh, siblings?
2: Yeah, so I have a I, I'm the eldest. Um, I have a younger sister, and she um, just celebrated her son's first birthday, which is great. So it's my mm. first first nephew. Um, so that's really really good. And I also have a younger brother who um, also lives in Darwin.
1: <laughs> right. So very territorial then. Yes. And so when you finished school, uh, you said you went on to do some study. What, what, what did yeah, you do? Yeah,
2: so I I did choose to study interstate. Um, so there was a few, few things going on in regards to selecting the correct uni- university, I guess. I really, really wanted to study um, a double degree of some sort, you know, in the spaces of, you know, either commerce or economics um, plus environment with a blend of sustainable development. So I did choose economics and sustainable development at Curtin University.
3: Oh, in Perth. Um,
2: Yeah, so I moved to Perth. I I started studying that. But the sustainable development aspect of it was very, it was too um, artsy for what I had anticipated. So I actually changed over to environmental science and economics. Um, And then, I, you know, they hadn't actually had it at the uni at the time, and so I negotiated with the staff um, to still um, proceed with that double degree, so I was the first person from Curtin University to to graduate with that with that double, um, which was exciting. When uh, did you I finished that. Twenty fourteen is that right?
1: 2014,
2: okay. 2015. 2015, I think I uh, was the graduation ceremony.
1: And that was a um, five year degree or something, was it?
2: No, so I finished. I, I started in twenty eleven. Oh,
1: okay,
2: four years. So I fi- started in twenty eleven, so four years, which is which is the normal double. Um, and then I, I had worked for the Department of the Graduate Position. worked for the Department of Agriculture. I had been working in hospitality quite heavily, managed restaurants and bars, uh, really, really enjoyed it. I do miss hospitality quite a bit. Um, I'm a bit of a people person, I guess at times. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I then I got a job back in the Territory, which is really great. So, I moved back. I jumped at the opportunity, moved back. Um, and then I did also take up um, an ongoing master's, as, as I'd like to call it, because it is Ongoing for, for work, so I'm studying a master's in tropical urban and regional development, uh, which, in hindsight, was probably what I should have studied as an uh,
3: undergrad. But I had to make that journey for myself. <laughs> mm. Mm. And, uh, and
1: and so, what do you? And so, what have you been doing for the last since you graduated?
2: Oh, just hanging around, you know. Just, that's no, as, um, as you forward.
1: do.
2: <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I. I Got a job with um, an organisation, I don't know if I should say it, um, working with in- Indigenous ranges across the top end. I was working with joint management down in Timber Creek for some time for about nine months. I think my contract mm-hmm. was in the uh, initially, so that was really exciting working down through Timber Creek and I worked at, oh well, at with the Jubra Gregory National Park, Flora Gwinning, um, which is 90Ks west of Catherine and then Jew Island, uh, Douglas Hot Springs. Um, so, they all had joint management projects there. So, I worked throughout that region and travelled throughout the region, meeting everybody, um, managing managing those small projects and then moving on to just kind of general ranger program management um, in a sense had, uh, was the training officer, you know, we worked with funding and career development opportunities and partnerships um, and, you know... It's it's all those, you know, it all seems really, really small at the time, you know, doing feral fire weeds projects with the rangers or small training projects, but you look back on it now and it is it is quite big because it was, up, you know, across the entire of the top end. So, um, I always think of it as small little steps, but when you look at it, it has been a huge achievement, I guess. Um, and so, more recently this year, I took on, obviously, obviously besides last year with, with another stint in uh, politics, but I know that you guys may touch on that later. Uh, but I've been focusing on environment and environmental uh, research project at the moment, um, in partnership with many of the many of the ranger teams that I know.. So.
1: So, so what what department do you actually work for at the moment?
2: Oh, I work for an independent Aboriginal organization at the moment.
1: Yeah, and what's um, that called?
2: Oh, they have, they've asked me not to say anything. Oh, okay, fine, okay. All
1: right. No <laughs> you worries. Could probably, you could probably
2: can, find I can it. Yeah. You, Leanne, I can tell
0: you, yeah, right, um, okay. yeah, Leon. <laughs> I can mean, tell you. but
2: they don't want
0: to be they don't want to be looks, political. Yeah. Peter
2: yeah. Peter has probably stalked me. Um let's well, not no, I'm kidding. Um
0: I, I I just did and um there's a couple of comments I'd like to make. Unless I found the wrong Rebecca Jennings, you definitely need to update your LinkedIn profile. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't have had one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I previously had a LinkedIn many years ago, but it just kind of fell off the radar when I was younger and I worked down uh, for the Department of Ag. I had one, but then. It, <laughs> Yeah, I definitely just I deleted it because I was like, oh, this is no use. I'll just delete it. And I'll start a new yeah. one later on, never got around to it, until, I'll get to it. Yeah. until Leon said the other day, hey, where's your LinkedIn? And I was like, ah, oh, I should probably yeah, get yeah. on
0: to <laughs> Yes.
1: Well, uh, I mean, people, you know, I, I don't know what the electorate of daily looks like and, and who's in it, but um, uh, people definitely get their information from various sources and LinkedIn is one of those. Um, we certainly yeah. do. Mm. Uh, we find LinkedIn really helpful. In terms of giving us an overview of the person, so uh, it was good that you managed to get that up there. So, so okay. Well, um, you've obviously worked a lot with uh, Aboriginal organisations. Um, w- what have you learned?
2: Wow, what have I learned? I, well, I've, I've definitely learned that um, the best way to get outcomes is by good partnerships. There's probably you, you need everybody to come in the journey with you from start to finish. And, you know, when I when I first started, there was no real training program, for example, for the rangers. Um, and that was because we've only got limited RTOs in the top end and really just sticking your neck out and and trying to show the value-adding, you know, for all these di- different partners and, and what we can achieve and identifying alternative funding sources and in-kind support um we, you know, we were able to achieve, you know, more than, you know, more than thirty rangers graduating, you know, within within that year time frame of just their cert two, which had never happened before. On top of that, we had people going into career pathways, you know, appropriate career pathways, not just kind of this generalist ranger stuff. Um, so that's just that's just one that's just one small small aspect. But partnerships are probably the big ticket item that I've that I've learned. And and to show people the the true value of of why we're doing things, you know, looking at the why factor and bringing people together is something. It's also a skill that I've learned as well in that short time.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, that's interesting because, uh, you know, we've had a number of people on this podcast and the issue of Indigenous uh, disadvantage uh, slash bridging the gap, all those sort of things... Um A lot of Territorians, you know, kind of look at this and, and think that the government is completely useless and, and a lot of things aren't getting done, or if they are getting done, they seem to be done in a dysfunctional way or it's not sold very well to us or that we're not really told the truth. Um, what, what are your thoughts on some of this stuff?
3: So obviously, I'm
2: coming from just just my personal experience in regards to this, but mm. I have also heard the same same sort of things going around. Um, but it's it's kind of a, a bit a bit of both. So essentially, the stories well, in, well, let's just talk, like I can only really speak from um, the Aboriginal land management and ranges space because that's where I've sort of um, got my got my knowledge and skill sets from. Um, but people just don't hear the hear the good stories on the ground. So of course people are going to going to be um, frustrated, understanding where you know government money is going. So if government money is funneling into ranger programs, and somebody in the in the region isn't actually seeing the on ground operations or, or outcomes. Of course they're going to to ask where's the money going. Um, so part of part of the funding is really really telling the story and documenting the stories properly to get it out to to the stakeholders so they completely
3: understand that
2: that things are actually happening on the ground um, and Rome wasn't built in a day and and just because they're getting funding for feral animal management program doesn't mean that pinks going to be disappearing like tomorrow Um so I do believe that well, it is true. The expectations are there. Expectations are too high. Um, I was
1: thinking about pigs flying, but <laughs> yeah, me try. too. <laughs> Backwards. <laughs> hey, um, and Rebecca, look, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, people a lot. I mean, people like me um, and, and and Pete, I guess when he's here, uh, oh, and the people that we mix around with in, in Darwin and Alice Springs have one view of the territory. You know, and then we talk to people like you, um, some of the uh, really great uh, members that uh, have ha- have worked in remote areas, and they give us a really different view of, of the world, of, of the territory. You know, some of them have told us how um, how, uh, how fantastic. In fact, you have just as well, you know, how fantastic it is out there in the communities. And then sometimes I hear from people that say, you know what, Leon, it's a complete disaster out there. You know? And and so now I'm kind of leading into uh, you know, the the, the seat of daily. And we have seen pictures and images and and stories, or well, it's not seen stories or heard stories, of the complete dysfunction that occurs out there in water. air? Uh, have you been out there?
2: So Yeah, so I I think that that is a really, really tricky space
3: um, to to talk.
2: Well, to talk to people about because there there is no one solution. But you know, water in itself, you you look at the location location of it, and it is one way in, one way out. Um, You know, it's quite a young population as well of of, of not just indigenous people but also young young professionals or tradesmen working out there it's isolating um, you know in comparison to other communities that aren't just in and out there you know they are directional um, or, or there's opportunity to, to travel multi directional where water is isolated and I think that in part causes the frustrations. Um, within the community but with the government and uh, non-government agencies as well you know it's high costs so again i i don't know the solution to that but you know is putting you know is putting more and more uh, resources out there to to an area that uh, there are no industries, or there, there is no, there's no way moving forward. You know, if if it was a huge like tourism town, or maybe there was a mine, or if there was, you know, some other industry out there, um, you could understand the reason people stay. But a lot of the, a lot of the um, things I hear is that people go to Wadi because there are people in Wadi. If that makes sense, is um, so. Whether they, you know, I guess that you just, you would just really, really need to look at: are there alternatives? Um, options for people that maybe don't want to live there but that's they live there because the services are there um
1: geez that's amazing isn't it isn't that an amazing admission Pete? you know people live there because the services are there and that's the <laughs> thing that's the thing Rebecca, you know yeah um, and this is not because uh um, and you're right these are difficult conversations to have because you're scared when you're talking that you're going to be labeled racist or something like that but the reality is a lot of money is earmarked, and I, I use the word earmarked advisedly because, you know, just because it's earmarked doesn't mean it actually gets out there. Yeah. But a lot of money is earmarked for, you know, a number of of, of um, Aboriginal communities and, you know, a lot of resources that go in there in terms of health and education and that type of thing, yet... I ask myself almost on a daily basis, what is the end game with all of this? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we expecting? And listening to you, and, Rebecca, one of the great things about having someone like you on the podcast is because you're unaffiliated, you don't have to carry a party line, you don't have to say (laughs) things because that's what you're supposed to say to get elected. I mean, these these are the conversations that really resonate with our audience uh, and and I can tell you that for a fact because I got so much feedback from the podcast we did with Raj Rajwin because we were asking him questions that you know we we knew that he wasn't telling the truth about. You know. You. Uh, uh And people just uh, people know. I mean, people uh, you know their their bullshit indicator or whatever you want to call it you know works and they can tell. And and people are just sick and tired and fed up of the major political parties. Uh, not just in Darwin but, you know, in Australia, uh, that just don't give us a lot of choice because they're all there towing the party line,
3: yeah.
1: uh, telling us what uh, their um, polling says they they should be saying, and it's just crap. We don't want to hear it. We want no. to hear people like you say things like, you know what, people go to Water because there's people there and there's services there. Because the next question is, well, should there be services there? Because I have seen the water swimming pool with a giant crack in it, right, from someone throwing I don't know what in there, and it just everything seems to be destroyed.
2: Yeah. Yet the the government can't come to agreement on a rural swimming pool for the rural area, which Mm -hmm. they've been screaming out for. um, And I I was in... um, I was actually in parliamentary sittings when, you know, they said that, well, it was up to the, um, you know, the, the, I guess it was up to everybody from three different electorates to come together and agree on a location. And that's, that's why there's been so many delays. But I, I beg to differ um, in regards to that. Like they, you know, we the rural area, and I'm talking around Fritz Pass and we're outside the daily electorate, um, have been screaming for years for a swimming pool. You know, the kids need to le- learn to swim. It becomes a recreation area. And the response from um, the current government was, well, it's because you guys all haven't agreed on a location. And, you know, and mm-hmm. then obviously we see resources being put into, into areas and then being uh, misused and abused and we're all left in the lurch going, but we've... We've been asking for this for years. Um, mm. So, so I agree. Do we need to be putting resources in areas? Do we need to keep throwing resources at yeah. areas that don't need resources? And they, I, they may I'll need it, but
1: they may need it. It's just a question of, uh, you know, are they, you know, are they capable of using? But it? If, and but if
2: the it? same services were provided in bachelor's say. Where there Mm. are tourism opportunities, there are more job opportunities on the pastoral stations, there are small mines surrounding the area, Uh, it is closer to to bigger services. And so, for people that are maybe younger, maybe uh, a bit disconnected from country, um, you know, if there were services that were were in a more um, viable spot, I guess, a more accessible um, spot, you know, would they move? And so... Obviously, uh, the current government, you know, in the budget, in the in the last in the last budget, um, huge amounts of, um, I guess, what was the term you used? Promised or uh, money? Earmarked. Yeah, earmarked. Um, earmarked for water, Yet, no mention of, uh, you know, Berry Springs or, you know, Down River or or anything or Bachelor even. So, um, that's really really frustrating when all these other areas are being left in the lurch, yet we're spending so much money on, on transit costs, on, uh, you know, resourcing costs to, to a remote community. And, like, that's not a, an offence to anybody that lives out there or, or any of the people or anything like that, but we've just really got to... Step back and have a look at it. Is, you know, is there a more efficient and better use of resources? And and can we can we provide these services in more areas so that people are encouraged to move into those areas for sustainable development and growth? Uh, and, and so it doesn't break the bank. Um, uh, you know, the, I'm, I oh, I was just going to say one more thing is that you know we, you know I I'm I'm under thirty. Um, I know a lot of tradesmen. I guess is probably the like you know tradies and everything like that that I grew up with. And the common thing is, oh, we want to go work remote because we're going to make heaps of money.
3: Mm. Yeah.
2: You know, that to me is like, you know, it, I guess that's, that's, that's the mindset but that's not how I guess the mindset should be working
3: it's, yeah. is that I'm going to
2: go out remote and make more money and then they go out there, money, you know, prices increase, the government throws more money at it, and it's, it's a cycle. And um, yeah. I just think that there should be more efficient ways to deal with this, these sorts of issues.
1: So tell me what uh, what do you know about water? No, sorry, not water, sorry, the, the um the uh, the the seat of Daly. What what do you know what, what towns it encompasses?
2: Yeah, so it's so this is it's a very unusual spot in regards to um accessing it and, and very different. So um from Timber Creek through, you know, so Timber Creek through to uh Flora River. Um so, and, and all the communities in between, but north of the Vic Highway. Um, and then it skips Catherine and then starts just south of Pine Creek. Um, and then also east of Pine Creek, it captures a slight little, little bit towards Kakadu, moves up through, you know, you've got um, Emerald Springs, Hayes Creek, you've got Daly River region out to Water, you've got Bachelor, Adelaide River, uh, Livingston, I guess Darwin River, Berry Springs. Um, at Dundee, and then also you know Lichfield National Park and uh Mandora or Walgate Beach and Belgian, so it's quite a large area.
0: So, w- what electorate's Catherine part of? Why would it jump that?
2: Um, so Catherine's part of the I can't remember the name of it, I think it's just Catherine. Electorate, Wh- isn't it?
0: What's the point of jumping it though?
2: I'm uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, obviously, it's a populational, population yeah, thing, but like population. the issues.
0: But if it starts yeah. south of Catherine and goes above it, why wouldn't it? Oh, it's
2: west. So it oh, sta- right. it's kind of west, it's kinda okay. and then it kind of kinda of Catherine has his like kind of little half circle, I guess, and then right it pops now. back up through to Pine Creek. And so it's kind of western top end. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you think of it like that. And I guess some of the things that are that are affecting I guess daily north affect daily south. But Timber Creek really, really seems to get left in the lurch and, and right. that's that's problematic and that's because of resourcing and accessibility and obviously advocating for the for the region is hard to do when you can't, you know, it takes you six and a half hours to get there from yeah. from very spring. And so how are you meant to um, support the people of your electorate when, when you're so far away and it costs so many resources? Um, where I think they would be better suited into another electorate purely because of the similarities, you know, similarities with the country, similarities with the, you know the type of tourist tourism is there and industries mm. that there that is there. You know it, it is quite different in comparison to the daily uh, north, daily north. I
0: guess. Is yeah, right. yeah. That's how I Describe it. All right. So Rebecca, why is Rebecca Jennings running as an independent for the seat of daily? What's inspired you?
2: So I. Obviously, have an interest in in politics, and um, you know, and and community minded, um, and what, so when when Ian, you know, said, "Oh, I'm going to resign." Actually, this actually started way last year. I when <laughs> when I um, when I did my other political sin, I thought, you know, this is probably, you know, I do live in town at the moment, but this is probably not where my heart lies. Mm. Um, you know, I probably should have ran for daily in the previous, you know, in the, in the actual election um, in the previous one. Yeah, when, when the, the sitting member said, oh, I'm going to resign, uh, you know, I had people jumping at me, Rebecca, you should go for it. And I thought, you know, I, I I would really like to do it um, purely because I've lived and breathed in the area. Like I have I have grown up there. I have worked throughout Western Top End and in the Daily Electorate for some time. Um, my You know, my heart and soul is there. I feel comfortable being there in comparison to... To other parts of the territory, which is very, very unusual. You know, I, I just have a sense of place to the region, and I have a sense of responsibility to the region. I've watched it. I've watched it change. Although, albeit, it's been a very, very slow change. For example, the Litchfield Park Loop, you know, was first pitched to. Oh, I know, first pitched in like 2004. Um, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't even a teenager then. So, you know, 2004. It's only just been finished. So these types of things, like I've seen it change, but but slow. I've watched Berry Springs dry up the other year, which broke my heart. Um, so that's probably the main reason why why I jumped to this opportunity. And whether I win now or or not. Um, you know, I still want to be advocating and being a voice for the daily because there are so many op- small opportunities or, or just really basic projects that need to happen in the area to make it more equitable. And it's frustrating watching it year after year be the same. You know, the the entire my entire childhood, Finn Road was uh, was not bitumized, you know, or it was to the creek. And then as soon as as soon as I went to university, they bitumized the whole road because, because of impacts, obviously, but they bitumized the whole road. Um, and then as soon as I went away, someone, they got approval to build a pub. And I was like, you know, I was there for 18 <laughs> years, 18 mm. years and nothing happened. I worked at the Litchfield pub or the Down River Tavern. You know, I, I worked on, on fruit farms and everything like that. And then this, and at the shop, I worked at the shop for three or four years. And then as soon as I, as soon as I left, they built a pub. And I, you know, but that's it. They, they, you know, they built the very spring shops there, which which is good. There's just no, there's no connectivity. It's sort of just ad hoc. It's, again, it's just ad hoc planning and it's very frustrating. Um, and so there are key projects that can be completed through, you know, state, local and federal partnerships and just, you know, like we were just talking about this with Water, you know, that give these regions equitable resources, you know, and then you encourage people to move there. There's no point again developing an area such as Southport where you've released land of 2000 to 4000 meters squared many many years ago promising oh you'll get water infrastructure and they still don't have water infrastructure you know and, and that puts so much pressure on the homeowner how or, you know if they were lucky enough to have to have a previous bore any new young person that says oh, oh this right by the river I'll buy it oh there's no bore oh there's no septic you know these 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 really simple things and I just, it's frustrating to watch it happen so slowly and um, so unfairly to the region. So that's probably one of the uh, biggest reasons why I got my hand up.
1: Uh, have you been to um, what air?
2: Previously, yes. Yeah, you've been there. Yeah. So I've also, okay. like, why?
1: <laughs> oh, Because I'm just looking at a map of it. It's, like, pretty much at the end of the electorate by the look of this.
2: Yeah, so oh, I haven't been there. No, not in this campaigning yes i haven't had a chance to go out there yet um yeah.
1: but you've been there before though
2: yeah so and oh. um so some of the um, smaller communities around as well
1: okay like what like pepper minati and all that
2: yeah woody cup of Dia.
1: i can't even see that one <laughs> what there. a great name <laughs> <laughs> right and uh and, and do you speak any language at all
2: No, no, I don't. I don't. I went to Groot Island a few weeks ago, and the ladies did try and teach me a few words, but their words are very, very long. Very long.
1: Interesting. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, I must. I must actually try and find this guy, Pete. Um, We we had a guy once come to Ward Keller and give us a um uh, a, a lecture on Aboriginal languages. Yep. It was. Amazing, fascinating, really fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Lake Bennett is that part of the electric?
2: There is no. I don't know. I'm not too sure at the moment. Hold on. Okay. You've caught me off off guard.
1: Yeah, it's a big test. <laughs> I know. Well, now now I'm going to look
2: incompetent. <laughs>
1: But uh, you, you certainly ticked the box, Rebecca, because you, you named a lot of towns that – in fact, you named all the towns that were in Wikipedia, so that was good. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> but not in order, so it probably wasn't from there.
1: <laughs> um, but, gosh, you've got to get, have to get out to Timber Creek. That's like halfway No, I did. WA. No, I did already.
2: So have I did that. that. Yeah, and no, I did that on Monday. And um, what's out there?
0: There's amazing
1: people.
0: There, no, that's
2: past. That's past. That's Lejeune.
0: A lot of trees.
2: No, well, I guess it's Escarpment country. No, I actually have a soft spot for Timber Creek, um, obviously working there when I first moved up. Um, you know, it's big rivers, but you go out there, um, and you, you know, you're on top of the Escarpment. They've got this great lookout um, just past the town and you're on top of the Escarpment and it just it just goes for miles. And there's this stunning part past the big river roadhouse where where you're winding through the roads and you've got these massive boulders that have fallen down and then you finally see that, you know, the Vic River, you know, and all these valleys and it's just, it's absolutely stunning. It's, it's breathtaking. It's, it's, my it's my favourite bit. Oh, actually, no, my favourite bit is coming over the ridge and then finally seeing the, the Vic, you know, the Vic River region. It's just, it's, yeah, it's awe-inspiring. And, I, yeah, so I've got a bit of a soft spot for timber, so I do, do like it there. But I did catch up with a few people while I was there, um, which is really good, but it's mostly cattle, cattle and fishing.
3: It's probably the two big, two biggest industries in Timbercrete.
1: Okay, there's there's five thousand six hundred and twenty two people enrolled in the electorate as of August twenty twenty. How many and, of those do you reckon you're going to get?
2: Oh. Uh, <laughs> look, I want, to get them all. I want to get them all. No, but but obviously, I don't. I'm not as well resourced as CLP or Labor, um, which is unfortunate. You know, we do have current ministers campaigning for. Um, for one of the candidates, um, you know, whether that's... What's your competition?
1: Let's talk about your competition. Who is it? You uh, got, Chris. you got Chris, uh, Sip, Sir Teresi. Sir
2: uh, Teresi, Wayne Connock and Darren Young. I think I said that wrong. Darren? Der- I don't know. I got in, tru- I got in trouble that- the other day at the market.
1: <laughs> Why? <not? laughs> I, said
2: it, I said it wrong and now I can't remember which one it was.
1: <laughs> who told you off?
2: Oh, one of the um, Labor uh, supporters. Sorry, I asked Oh, was he coming today? And she corrected the name and now I've forgotten which way it was. Um, So I apologise if he's going to be listening.
0: (laughs) Well, I've got a theory on that and uh, it goes back to the fact that I think all parents need to be licensed because of the (laughs) variety of spellings of people's names in this day and age. So if you want to be called X... For example, then like you need Malcolm to X. like Malcolm X, <laughs> then you need to spell it accordingly, otherwise, it's going to be pronounced or mispronounced a million different ways.
1: Indeed, indeed, like so, Elon Musk's child,
0: exactly. What did he do that? I oh, know
1: he did something weird. Didn't uh, he? It's
3: like, Oh, hello, I think I lost you.
1: No, we can hear you. Oh, uh, no,
2: stop, you stop you moving. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like X A
3: E dash oh 12 eight yeah, yeah. or something, I don't know. Oh, right. it, was, it was
0: some <laughs> scientific weird. formula that he's worked out.
1: Okay. Um, now we know Darren Duran Young is uh, originally uh, from um, Yamba in northern New South Wales. Chris, I'm not sure where he's from. What was he is he a local and bred Territorian? So I
2: I am not too sure. Um. I- do, I did speak to him about this, so he mainly grew up in around Tanner Creek. Okay. And he currently still lives in Tanner Creek and runs um, a business there. Um, I think there may have been schooling elsewhere, but I'm not too sure.
1: So okay. to ask well, <laughs> we'll ask him if we can get him on. He was supposed to be on today, but uh, we had some uh, communication problems because I think he's actually out there in water banging the drum, So or, not, or if not water in the, in, daily, in the daily region. So, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, it was difficult to get uh, get some uh, reception, but um, we have not been able to get uh, Duran uh, at all, even though we've reached out to, uh, to them. I think Labor seems to want to run a pretty tight campaign, and they want to control. Oh, uh, so
3: after his mishap with well,
1: there at Parliament that.
3: House, so yes. maybe they were a bit wary of of that. So we yeah, we, we thought it was
1: a bit odd that uh, that Labor would condemn his behaviour and then turn around and pre-select him, uh, you know, the next year.
3: Very strange.
0: <laughs> oh, but, but not unusual for the current government.
2: <laughs> no, not with their other scandals.
3: Keep
0: him right. in. Yeah, that's right. It.
1: Party time. But, <laughs> but uh, let's find out a bit more about you and your political career because this is not the first time you're running and you sort of <laughs> glossed over a little bit uh, your last uh, episode. Yeah. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. What happened there?
2: Oh, uh, so – Obviously, we we're talking about Territory Alliance, um, and that's the Terry Mills party. Oh, no, it was Territory Alliance. Terry Mills was was okay. at the helm. Um, so I, because I was living in Darwin City at the time, it had been for a while. I was really, really frustrated with a few um, key key projects, I guess, um, particularly the demolition of Richardson Park. Um, at the time, it was also. Um, there was proposals for a nightclub at East Point, and I didn't believe in either of those. Um, mm. Firstly, the East Point part was, I, you know, I, I look back on that, and I think obviously they've just kind of made some outrageous proposal,
0: Yeah. The
2: community on side, and then it got rejected, and they were like, "That's okay," and you know, eventually there'll be another location selected, and everyone'll be happy with it because mm. they'll say, "At least it's not at East Point." Um, but the demolition of Richardson Park was um, quite frustrating. Um, purely because I um, have been involved in, you know, within soccer club for the Chel Football Club for some time, and it's difficult to to build things. You know, we w- we would love just a basic shed, you know, now and then. You know, yeah, where yeah. there was this whole big massive stadium, and there was conflicting reports about whether there was concrete cancer or not, and that the the government had already said no, we're going to. Demolish it. That's the be-all end all, which we all know that isn't the case. You can actually step in, and they and they refuse to. Um, and I saw that actually recently. There's a tender out for for that for that area. So I don't know what that's going to look like. Someone was awarded a tender for some sort of design. Um, so anyway, so these small little projects, I was frustrated. So I went and talked to um, Jeff Collins, who was current current member of the area, but because of the electoral boundary changes um the Richardson Park one had actually moved outside of of his uh, I guess upcoming electorate um so we, we were just chatting and you know they, they said well we're actually looking for another other person to run you know would you be interested um and I said well actually you know yeah I will I will I will run I had obviously I I, I did a bit of research and you know, asking what they're about and it seemed to be really, really positive. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a crack um, and I did and I really, really enjoyed the experience and I really enjoyed the policies that we had researched and pulled together. Um, you know, they were a very, very supportive team. It's unfortunate that the media really grabbed us and and shook us a lot um, and I was privy to some of the other candidates, um, when they spoke at public forums, they were the, the words were misconstrued in the media, and that was frustrating to witness firsthand. You know, watching them up there, you know, giving their you know giving their spiel, and then some then uh, media source um, rewording or you know misusing or misusing their words, I guess um, well,
3: I don't to, know about to pick that
2: a, a to pick a particular agenda. Oh, there was one there was one case where we were talking about like in the rural area and they had grabbed one little segment of of what someone had said and yeah. completely took it out of context in in the media. And that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah. So I know and I know everybody was uh 50
3: 50. Oh, look, Lions. it was more than
1: 50-50. <laughs> look, uh, quite frankly, it was so great to see a third party turn up, right? Uh, to give people some options, and it was really interesting to see people from both sides, uh, both, uh, you know, L- L- Labor and Liberal, uh, joining Territory Alliance. That was incredible to see that. Mm-hmm. But where, in my view, Terry Mills kicked a massive own goal was in relation to fracking.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, the, and, you know, you can go back and listen to the podcast because they're all there where there was a giant flip-flop on fracking and that destroyed his credibility in my mind uh, and made it ex- impossible to vote for him uh because i just found it really hard to, to to see someone who was you know pro and then anti and it's just and, and when you sort of try to dig down into it it was based on polling yeah,
2: I guess they were just trying to use data to really push something. But I also want to say that Labor was anti-fracking. Yeah, that won yeah. them the, the election and then they flipped, but none of their supporters Well, Well, look, to be, fair to, Labor,
1: to, to be fair to Labor, I'm not sure that they were anti-fracking. They basically said that they needed to, you know, it was subject to actually studying it, didn't they? Oh, that, well, that well was
2: they did the, the pepper inquiry That's, and, yeah. you know, all the recommendations are there and they just kind of, going ahead and getting investments anyway from the feds and and who knows where else and, and putting the money into more research for fracking. And that's where the biggest environmental impacts happen is when you do all these, all these exploration, you know, in really highly sensitive areas, which is really unfortunate. So I'm, I personally don't think that um, unconventional fracking should, should go ahead purely because there, there isn't an industry anymore. There isn't an industry for export, Um, you know, and, you know, we, you know, we, we, In the Northern Territory, we have such beautiful natural resources and, you know, I think we're too short-sighted in thinking about, you know, how can we make money now um, where if we want to, you know, you look at the rest of the world, it's developing very, very fast. Natural resources are declining quite rapidly. um, Where we have opportunity to have, you know, future tourism or or hold on to those other resource opportunities, I think we should, um, particularly when there are other options you know, we're just talking. I'm just talking renewables. There are other the options that we could be invest, investing in um, and subsidising over fracking, um, and I know that that is a hard point for a lot of people. But that's that's my so, so my, you, my opinion.
1: But you say you're against unconventional fracking. Is there well, a conventional fracking?
2: Yeah, so there is. So there is conventional fracking, and you'll see them in the gas fields all throughout Australia where they. Where, it, where it's pretty much just drilled down to a well, the well pumps up the gas, Bob's your uncle, um, where the other one is fract- actually fracturing the rock um, perpendicular to, to the piping and, and breaking the rock apart and pumping, you know, heaps of, you know, chemicals and, you know, they say it's water, but then there's all the extraction of the water, then they've got the water has to be sitting out in the open in, you know, in, in the wells. Um, you know, so there's all these other issues with it. and. I just don't believe in that when we're, you know, we're, we're, I feel like we're behind the times when we're looking at the rest of the world and the rest of Australia. You know, the public is screaming out for more renewables or, or at least more sustainable um, energy options. And yet we're so, and also we're looking at it from just a kind of exporting factor. We're not even looking at it for um, consumption within Australia. We are looking at export. And, you know, when we're, pl- When we're competing with places like Qatar and everything that have these huge gas reserves, you know, there's no point. There's absolutely no point because we're just not, it's not economically viable for us to screw up our environment when that is our probably biggest resource in the territory. And that's why people come to the territory. They don't come to the territory to hang out at monsoons. You know, they they come to the territory to.
0: to Oh, I beg to differ. know oh, no, that just no, because they I'm go curious. and
2: hang in monsoon doesn't mean why they flew up here. <laughs> it's not the only
0: day. reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, uh, but are you saying, I mean, where has fracking gone terribly wrong?
3: So, I, well,
2: I guess there's all the reports over, you know, in America in particular. Um, there are reports in New South Wales where it's gone terribly wrong. Um they aren't local, and I understand that. And you know, you've got, you know, I guess different landforms that may react differently. But the I reason just pers- I'm asking, I, and yeah, I'm not I
1: trying to, to sort of put you on, I'm not, you know, creating a uh, like. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have. I'm not a die in the ditch kind of guy of a, about this issue, but I do like fact based or scientific based. Uh, uh, you know, analysis of of, of things to come to, deci- to decisions like this. Now, Jerry Wood was an independent for many, many years. And he's, I think, from, you know, the legend was that he he spent his own money to go over to the US and and have a look at this issue on his own and stay with people that were in the industry. And he came back and said, look, I think this is fine. I mean, if anybody was ever going to, stand up against something like this, I would have thought it would have been Jerry Wood. <laughs> so, so this is why I worry yeah. about, Rebecca.
2: So they, they've done studies and if you like, obviously there, there are plenty of anti and pro fracking, like, you know, docos that are out there. And you know, I, I've also been interested in regards to the, the risk, but I just think like even just like a 4% risk, you know, it, the risk is that, that it becomes such a huge issue if it happens and I think that's that's what the issue is is that if it was you know if the risk was higher but the impacts were low you know you could kind of look at it that way but the, the risk is low but the impacts are, are enormous when they actually do go wrong uh and I think that's that's the issue particularly when we've got so much water insecurity happening around the world as well you know why are we still pumping you know precious water reserves into things like this only for them to be putting, you know, tailings dams and everything like that and then pumped out to sea, you know, or just not being, not being able to be reused. Um, so that's that's my reasoning is that the, the impact is so great if it actually happens that I don't think it's worth the risk. I just think that we should be asking, well, the governments, and I talk about state and federal, should be subsidising and investing in in alternative uh, energy resources, I do believe in solar, and I understand that people you know throw throw their arms up and you know you've got to clear to do to do um solar you know to clear all this vegetation, but you know I think that's you know a more viable industry than than losing you know a, you know enormous amounts of water reserves that we just really can't afford to lose for the future
1: hmm. interesting um so what are the other f- major issues uh, for the people of uh, Daly that you've discovered?
2: Oh well, it's not just discovered; I've, I've experienced. Mm. <laughs> so, well, what discovered we talk- in terms
1: of talking to people out at Timber Creek, for example.
2: Uh, well, Timber Creek um, is again—it's again, complete. Like it's different. Like so, it's it's it is away from the rest of the electorate in a sense. Um, you know, they've got um, huge tourism potential. People always talk about that. Um, but everyone it's just accessibility I think is probably their biggest issue and housing as well so housing for the remote communities that exist around there Uh, you know we see in the budget that again we talked about you know another community gets prioritized over housing year after year after year and I'm talking to one of the senior uh, women in in Timber Creek she's still living in her house that she grew up in it's falling to bits and she's probably you know mid mid to late 40s at this point um where i do know people that work in water in the in the housing uh in building the houses and they are continually building new and 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 fixing houses yet in timber Mm. creek you know they just don't get the resources there and so people just have to make do um and i understand again like you can't go into the demand you know you can just demand 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 but this is this is reality where we are seeing resources go to one community and then absolutely just be another another bunch of communities being completely forgotten. And you know, you've got overcrowding issues. You know, we forced you know we force everyone to these small areas; they become overcrowded. Um, and because of overcrowding, obviously more damage. But to hear that someone is living in the same house, same tin shed that she grew up in, you know, for forty years, mm. yet I hear about. Uh, people you know, in, in water, for example, getting these houses
3: refurbished. I think that's very, very unfair. So that's, that's a huge issue there. Mm.
0: So, Rebecca, um, we, we've heard about the squeaky wheel getting the oil and uh, one I heard the other day was quite a good one, the crying baby gets the milk. So how do we fix this? Because I'm unaware of housing problems in Timber Creek but I'm very aware of problems in water and – this, this seems to be an ongoing thing is that we hear about and you know Leo mentioned the pool before you're mentioning the fact that there's no pool in the rural area yet a brand new pool had a car driven into it or driven into it not that long ago so how do we get these funds dispersed more evenly and and to everyone
2: Well I guess you know we, we talked about providing resources to alternative locations and supporting and supporting people to move. Move around as well. Um, one of the main reasons I get—I uh, don't know whether there's a cycle going on in regards to you know it's a political gain. I'm not too sure. And what's what's going on? Is it political or is it financial? The reason why we keep uh, putting these resources to such a remote community with a one-way in, one-way out. You know, it, it costs a lot of money. But you know, you there there is no there is no public service, for example, public bus service from from uh, water through the daily regions in a similar sense there's diddly squat throughout the rest of the daily. But people get stuck. People get stuck in these regions. And you know, if we if we were able to provide, I, I know that's, you know, another kind of a public service, you know, at the expense of the taxpayer payer, but if we were able to move people around a little bit easier, you know, would would they choose then, hey, I don't want to live out there anymore. I found this great opportunity over here. But then also encouraging people through you know, we talked about partnerships. We talked about really good media. You know, we, you know, that's where p- the people that are um being forgotten about really need to speak up, and that's why they need a really, really good representative that that actually talks to the people and is happy to just kind of say it point blank. You know, where are the resources for here? Why is this not happening? This is unequitable. Um, so so storytelling, partnerships, and and pushing you know for public resources for people to move around or at least subsidised. you know we're subsidizing you know fracking immensely we, we throw i know this is a sticking point at the moment in the media but we throw 12 million dollars at a grandstand um but <laughs> we don't have a subsidized bus service even once a week you know throughout the daily region you know you moving people from dundee for example you know there are people getting older out there there's no clinic they need to move around people get injured lose their licenses whatever the case is but we we refuse to to provide that opportunity for people and right. just keep isolating.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing that I don't understand. And this is going to sound completely conceited, but, you know, there are so many, and Pete could talk to this perhaps, uh, there's so many towns in 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 rural New South Wales and possibly Victoria even that have just closed shop uh, because there's no population and, and the government's not prepared to um, to subsidise it, to service it. Yet here we seem to bend over backwards, trying to do exactly the opposite of what it seemingly the rest of the country is doing.
2: I I don't know why. <laughs> I can't. I, mm. I I can't really like. It is obviously not just a one simple answer. It's you know years and years and years of um, kind of cyclical, cyclical weird behaviour um, between <laughs> governments and people.
1: Well, I mean, um. put it this way: if I was living in where, where, where did you say? You know, if I was living out in the boondocks, right, and
0: I was getting old—that's <laughs> not uh, an actual place, by the
1: way—and uh, and and you know, uh, my health was becoming an issue. Then the logical thing is to, you know, what? I need to be near a hospital, or you know, I need to move. Ah,
2: no, I love this discussion. So, yeah.
0: please be logical.
2: Yes. <laughs> have you seen? Well, not only that, have you seen the availability of houses in Darwin? Have you? Mm. How, why would you? So, this is the thing why would you want to move from your nice five acre property that you, your kids have grown up with, or 20 acre, or whatever to go live in a newly released development in Zucoli on 470 meters squared in a hot box?
0: Okay, that's you know, big, you nearly
2: want to put—that's put a your big block
0: at four seventy in Zakaria Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry, three
1: fifty. Turn a real estate agent. Uh, Look, um, why would you want to do it? Because you've got to at some point make a choice, right? Between uh, have living out, uh, you know, on a big block, or living close to where the amenities are. Hang yeah, on, yeah, no, and oh.
2: I, I agree. I oh, know, I do agree, but I also think that the government do not. Have appropriate development opportunities in the Northern of territory. People want, and, pe- and this is one of the reasons why people move away from Darwin, why people don't invest in Darwin. Is you know, you know, you've got you've got Gunner sitting there and Lud Miller on his, you know, what fifteen hundred meter square block, you know, thinking, oh, life's great. You've got the people in Nightcliff again with huge, huge properties because they've been able to afford them. Yet you've got the disadvantage living in public housing, one-bedroom blocks, block of units that are you know falling apart. Or if you're a you know new young couple, you've got to buy in Zuccoli on four hundred and seventy meters squared for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, yeah, it's-
1: Rebecca, Rebecca, I need to stop you right there. Okay, <laughs> and 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 look, I mean, Pete can can chime in whenever he feels like. We have had five years of recession, and if you have a look at some of those uh, some of those figures the turnover of properties in the, in the Northern Territory uh, were so low, they were lower than since, they were as low as they were since records began,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? Uh, as, as an owner of property, you would have been hard-pressed to sell your house for more than you paid for it uh, over the last five years. Yeah. So in, in, yep. in the last five-year period right uh renters were were price makers uh you know real uh, renting a property you could virtually name your price um for five years hmm. and i know this because i was watching it
3: <clears throat>
1: and seeing it and watching how people that were getting separated uh couldn't afford to actually get separated well they couldn't afford to actually split the sheets because the, the house that they wanted, they were living in, they were was worth less than what they paid for it. Mm-hmm. Right? It was. It's only been in the last probably six to nine months that the wheel has turned for the first time in five years, Rebecca. And then there's people like you jumping up and down and, and about affordability. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, I find it a little hard to take.
2: No, no, and that's perfectly fine. But you look at other, so let's just have a look at the case of Brisbane, for example. So, yes. right, so you've got mm. Brisbane and, you know, it's, you know, you've got, you know, it's very, it's very different but it's very big. But just outside of Brisbane in their, in their satellite city, just say similar to Darwin and Palm, it's probably a little bit further away, but there's Ipswich. Um, Ipswich has large properties and they're cheaper. Um, we don't have that. We actually just don't have that option. That's in Darwin,
0: population of two yeah. million. Yeah. No, no, no. I, just, I understand
2: that, but the general, like, kind of town planning is that you know, as you, you're dense in the city, and then you move out, the properties get bigger, and we just don't have that opportunity. And the land releases that that the government um, allow for the uh, developers, you know, you look at uh, Baroma Farm or uh, Northcrest, you know, people. People were complaining about that. They just said, you know, we're a no man's land, and they're, they're tiny block houses. There's no trees. And the reason, you know, and so people just don't really want to invest there, so they, they opt to rent, even if at higher prices in nice places. Talking about,
1: they ran out of land.
3: <laughs> no, they did.
1: No. They did. They were sitting on land for a long time during this recession that I'm talking about, and then most recently, Pete, am I wrong? But have they run out of land there? Yeah. Uh, In terms of what they've developed.
0: Yeah, well, it's only a very small percentage, of course. But the other thing that I I really want to point out here is the the point I reckon that we've all missed to right now is the fact that you're talking about people who've got options to move.
3: Yeah, true.
0: There's a massive percentage of the Northern Territory they don't have the option. So if you say, oh, I've got a health problem, I'm going to move from the rural area to Nightcliffe or whatever, that's fine for you and me. But I don't know what the percentage of people who are on welfare in the Northern Territory is, but it must be the greatest in the country. And they can't just up and leave from what Air and go to, you know, Catherine or wherever it is that they we're might think is a better place. Air, we're no, we're no, but about- you, I, I understand that. But you're talking about the movement of people. It's not everybody's got the choice to move in the Northern Territory.
2: No, Peter, and you're absolutely right. So I apologise; <laughs> we were going completely off
3: track, and we could argue about that all day. <laughs> uh,
1: and and so, what are you saying, Pete? So why are they in the situation they're in?
0: Well, look, I, I can't speak, you know, exactly as to why that is, but the point that I, I was I was listening to. Both of you talking, and we got suddenly into affordability and Zucali, which Sorry. is great. No, no, you don't have to apologise <laughs> because it, it's a it's a relevant conversation in terms of town planning, in terms of what the government's done with land releases. I'm not necessarily in disagreement with you, but if we're talking about is that a word? the, I believe it is, <laughs> in, in, in terms of um, you know, the the I've, I've rattled him. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying in, in terms of the remotely located people, of which many of them will be in the daily seat, mm-hmm. they're not just upping and leaving because, oh, well, there's no bus in or there's no bus out. They don't have a choice. They can't. They're living in in, in government-provided housing. They can't say, well, I don't want this three-bedroom.
1: Really? Here. Does the government provide housing out there other than for the remote communities? I wouldn't have thought so, surely not. Of course they do, in the remote communities. In, yes, I understand in the remote communities they do, but yeah. outside of the remote communities, do they, does the government
0: provide housing? Who, who owns the houses in these tin pot towns you're always talking about?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that place. What's that place, Rebecca, that you uh, fly over to get to? Um, is it Southern River or something? What uh, There's a... Darwin River. Darwin oh. River <laughs> Southern
3: right. River? Right. I was like, where's that? Have you
1: left Perth. Darwin sorry. before?
3: Is that
1: <laughs> Perth? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. D- Darwin River. Darwin yeah. River, there's a bit of a settlement there. I, I can't yeah. imagine that there would be any public housing out there.
2: Oh, I'm not too sure. In particular. So, so a bit of a settlement. They're all massive blocks
3: generally.
1: Yes. Yeah. Huge blocks. No, uh, I
2: don't. Oh, I'm not too sure on that data. Can we get a free access to government housing data sets? I don't
1: know. No, yeah, I, I,
0: not. I'm not sure about Darwin River. I'm not. That's not what I'm referring to. But, but, but I'm going to get in a lot of trouble if I
1: continue this conversation about Darwin River because <laughs> I've flown why? over it. I've flown over it in a helicopter on the way to the Daly River, um, and I just looked down and I thought to myself, "Oh my goodness! It, t- 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 there's just a lot of junk everywhere." You know, I. I People seem to like these
0: But that's why a lot of people live there, mate, because they collect cars and they collect you know, they might they might have a yeah. earth moving business or they might have do whatever. Yeah. They build there's their also no planning
2: management. legislation over it. So as soon as you yeah. move outside of like the Darwin region, there's no planning yeah. legislation. So people can just do whatever they want. Yeah.
0: right. <laughs> and yeah,
2: they do, right. they make shift things, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want a, you want another pool, there it is, you know, it's a shed. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. what yeah. cyclone coding? <laughs> So well, they we're
3: just doing uh,
1: calls for that. <laughs> so let, let's take a let's take a bit of look at this uh, electorate in terms of votes. So looking at the twenty twenty election, which was only last year, um, the CLP got uh, what thirty five percent of the primary vote. Labor got thirty four percent. Territory Alliance. Regina McCarthy. Do you know her?
3: Yes, I
1: do know Regina. Okay, she she's not interested in running again.
2: Oh, I hadn't. I hadn't asked. I oh, just okay. I just put my hand. Well, she's
1: off. not. <laughs> <laughs> so Territory Alliance got eighteen percent of the vote, and then you had a couple of it had a green and independent with mm-hmm. eight and three percent respectively. But after the two party preferences were distributed, it boiled down to the hundred votes. A hundred votes. So Rebecca, here's my gut feel, right? I would love to see you win because I, I want to see more independence in, in Parliament. I feel that if we had a, if we had if if the independence held the balance of power, we might be able to get some better things happening. A lot mm. of people disagree with me and I fully um, uh, Reject, their, and, uh, no, no, reject I, I, their opinions? I re- no, I respect their opinions. I do yeah, yeah, respect because yeah. they could be right, right? Mm. But I feel that, uh, you know, when you've got things like um, – uh, the Privileges Committee not functioning functioning uh, correctly because of, of the numbers, right? Uh, we, we are, we're in a unicameral parliament, which means we've only got one house. Okay, so whoever's the government of the day calls the shots and there's really no checks and balances as such because you can just ignore the opposition, which is what seems, which, what seems to happen a lot of the time. So I would love to see some independents hold the balance of power that would make the government far more lean, far more accountable, uh, and we may well see some great things. But Rebecca, unless you are an absolute miracle worker, I just can't see you winning uh, this uh, this seat with the, 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 the stranglehold that the CLP and Labor seem to have over it.
2: Yeah, no, and I I completely understand your reservations. Um, I would also like to see me, me in <laughs> and more independence in that in that that same sense. Um, but it is true they they pump crazy amounts of resources into into these elections. And you know, as I said earlier, is that you know I've seen the Labour candidate campaigning with you know five or six ministers at a at a poll at a polling booth waving waving you know, on the corner of my road. And I'm thinking, you know, is this volunteer? Did they fly them all the way from Alice Springs just to do this or is there actually other mm-hmm. business here? Um, so I really question it. But obviously I don't have those types of resources. All I have is um, great podcasts like yours and, mm-hmm. and social media and getting out, out and about and, and I guess proving myself. And I think that's one of the reasons why I put my hand up was to, to really try and prove to myself whether I would have the support Um whether it's verbal, um, but then also getting to know, you know, what, what, what are the issues? And I seem to be relatively um, on point in regards to, you know, in my, you know, I, I did do a media release and I, I had the brochures, but the main the main concerns that, that I've had um, and also been talking about prior to me, you know, put, throwing my hand up are, are generally generally correct. So I think that's good and I, I just really, really hope the people of daily um, take it. Take a step back and really look at what what their options are. Because if you go with a Labor candidate, guess what? All your budget's already in one area. It's nowhere else. What's going to happen? It's not going to change. Okay, so we flipped to the CLP. Well, they're so they're so they're very very concerned. Um, you know, there's been um, other issues in the media at the moment with the CLP and uh, in, over the over their membership and you know worry you know, CLP is in crisis and and everything like that. But again, Chris isn't from the region. He's going to have to work his his butt off to, to build partnerships and really, really understand the electorate a bit more. Um, but again, are they going to be too concerned with just fighting back seats from Labour? Are they actually going to to step up and, and do something for the electorate again that that could result in no and because they're not government, they have heart and then they have no influence over over very minimal influence over budgets. So, you know, unless they bring a, a partnership to the table that Labour are hundred percent happy with, they're not going to get anything. So Whichever um, candidate you choose in that way, you know they they both will need. If either of them get in, will need to actually know the electorate and actually speak up and demand what's right. And if they if they're not going to get that in the budget, if they're not going to get the support of government, at least be willing to to undertake the feasibility studies, put their neck on the line for partnerships. You know, build. Build it up in their in their own rights without having having to influence the government. I think that's why an independence is necessary in the area because with the two other options, I just think they're still just going to be left in the lurch.
0: Mm. And if I'm no mathematician, but uh, if you can snag all of Territory Alliance's votes plus the two independents from last time, you're neck and neck with the two major parties. So. It's pretty easy. All you got to do is get those how-to-vote cards out there.
2: Yeah, well, that's, that's also another tricky issue, I guess, when you're given the wrong advice.
0: And
1: yeah, so let's talk about that, Rebecca. Yeah. What's yeah, going on so, there?
2: Well, so obviously I've been – I've been tra- travelled around to Timber Creek and, and Pine Creek and Adelaide River and met up with some people on the road trip and I've been trying to coordinate um, my very, very, very small team of, of full-time working supporters um, and I needed to get how to votes to the uh, remote mobile polling um, team, I guess. And I knew that, so my how to votes came in a little bit late, and that's that's my fault, I guess. Um, so one day late, and so I called on my way back from Pine Creek um, and said uh, yesterday, and I said, "Look, I know I've missed the first run, which was Bill Ewan, and I've possibly missed um, the team going." further south, um, but, you know, is there opportunity for me? Can I meet the team with my how-to-vote when I get back into town and drop them off to them at the early mobile polling? And the person at the electoral commission said, no, no, you're not allowed to go to the early poll, the early voting. I said, oh, well, you know, I've just missed Bill Ewan but they're heading out to Dundee and, and, and bowl goal tomorrow. Um, like... I can meet them or if it's not me, myself, as a campaigner, can I please get somebody else to to meet the team on the road because I did miss the run. And they said, no, no, just drop them in at the Electoral Commission and we'll make sure they get them, the mobile teams. I thought, oh, that's brilliant. So I coordinated someone picking up my how of votes and dropping them at the Electoral Commission. So, and I was I was a bit kind of shocked that I wasn't allowed to campaign at mobile polling, but, you know, in a similar sense at actual you know, during election time and at early voting centers you're not allowed. So I thought, oh, well, maybe they've just sort of put a ban across the whole thing and, you know, it's easier for them to say no because in some of these areas they are communities and, you know, I guess it's, you know, they just would prefer everybody just to have, um, you know, access to be able to vote without being humbugged. Uh, and then so on Facebook this morning I did see uh, Labor campaigning at Dundee and I was really confused and I, obviously I had not change my work commitments. So I kept my work commitments because I thought if no one's going to be campaigning, that's fine. My how-to votes are going to get out there, no problem. And so I called them and I, I called the Electoral Commission and I asked, hey, um, so my, the advice I received yesterday was that we weren't allowed to campaign at mobile polling. Um, and they said, no, no, you are. And I said, well, that was the advice that I was given. So I didn't change my work commitments. And obviously, I've missed the vote because I'm not going to be able to get out to Dundee and,
3: uh,
2: you know, in, in time. I said, but, um, you know, that's, that's really unfortunate and it's quite upsetting that that's the advice I was given. And so, you know, give me a second. I'll just go and talk to someone. So she's come back and she's um, apologised profusely and said, Rebecca, I've, I've got to let you know as well, your house to votes didn't get to the mobile polling team or the mobile voting team. They just went to the early voting center." You, miss, you missed out on, on getting your how-to-votes to, to the team. I said, well, that's why I called yesterday
3: mm.
2: so I can meet them with my how-to-votes so that we didn't miss the bowl goal and the Dundee and the Adelaide River run. Um, and they, they just said, we're really, really sorry about this.
3: Um,
2: you know, is there, is there a way that, you know, you can get them to them? And I said, well, there was yesterday <laughs> when I could have back to Pine Creek. <laughs> Yeah, so I could have driven back from Pine Creek and, and picked them up and dropped them at the mobile team. And, you know, I could I would have dropped them at midnight. I wouldn't have cared. Mm-hmm. Um, but I – so it's – yeah, so that's that to me is really, really unfortunate. And, you know, I – yeah, so I, I just really, really hope that people had been, I guess, watching the media and, and had recognised my – name from somewhere, I guess it's, you know, it's really, really tricky because my how-to-votes had a bit more information on them as well so people could make that decision on, the, on their own. Um, and so moving forward, um, I did get somebody to meet. So obviously all my how-to-votes have now gone to the early uh, voting centres at Koolinger, um and in the city. But I,
3: because there was no
2: how-to-votes um, out in the rural area, what I had to give them for the Adelaide poll, uh, Adelaide voters,
3: Adelaide River voters is
2: uh, just my flyers with information and there is a how to vote with the flyers. So it's, it's very, it's unfortunate that I've missed, you know, a few, a few votes,
3: with mobile well-voting acceptance because of misinformation.
0: It may at least give you a precedent for some sort of high court challenge down the track. <laughs>
3: Oh, well,
2: I know someone from uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh There could be a conflict of interest there. But,
1: look, uh, just uh, <laughs> what do you do in situations like that? I mean, I don't even know. Like if, if oh. you've received wrong information in relation to something like this where, you know, your, your electoral, uh, yeah. you know, prospects have been diminished, arguably,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, <coughs> is there any kind of recourse that you can get?
2: Uh, well, I'm not too sure on the steps I can take to, to review this. Um, if it is, if it does become very close, you know, and, and I don't win, I guess I could use it as grounds for, you know, I, I don't know 100%. I did um, speak to somebody about this today. Um, but to rectify the issue is just try and pump out some social media, get in contact with everybody I know in those areas. Um, I guess it's a bit of a learning curve as well you know i should have you know been 110 percent prepared and i guess with just a little old me and my little little full-time team that all have jobs um you know and that's that's quite tricky so you've just really got to keep a cool head and i'm like i was very cool about it uh, am i frustrated and you know mm. a bit pissed off yes yes i am good um but there's there's <laughs> like it's Am I a bit? I don't know. Maybe that's. Yeah. I'm probably very pissed off. It's probably more yeah. of a word, yeah, but good. you've got to you've got to keep a cool head because otherwise you're just not gonna. You're not gonna. Ha- it's not gonna do anyone any good in this sort mm. of situation. So, having to coordinate um, things from from Goldburn, um, it worked out well. Um, I think because I had then called the electoral commission several times, they did divert their team back through Berry Springs. Mm. To pick to pick up the flyers, where I assume that they would have done the literal, the new Litchfield loop, um, heading from Bolgol through back through Bachelor out to Adelaide River would have been a little bit more of an efficient use of their time. But it's only a half hour difference, really, if you take the mm. very strange route. So
0: it's government money, so don't worry about it. Oh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, I got a question for you. You've mentioned social media a few times. So, are you doing any paid advertising on social media?
2: I've tried okay and I uh, like this I don't know why I keep getting rejected right. I've done okay. all the right things the political yep. you, know, you know disclaimer I you know my my bank details are correct yep the the license has been uploaded so I really don't know what's going on there I keep just getting rejected and I've asked Facebook mm. for more um, information and I have been yep. I no one's responded so it's quite frustrating
0: so put- I can't I'll put this out there for anyone. It's not just for you. I mean, it's for you in this conversation, but um, I would have thought in this day and age to be very, very efficient and and not all that uh, financially sapping way to do it. Um, Some sort of use of video with paid ads behind it would be the way to go, and um, yeah, if if you wanted to learn how to do it, then uh, let's have a chat later because I'd I'd be happy to help you and guide you with that, as I would anyone who's interested in getting the message out there.
3: I
2: just need you to troubleshoot why mine's not working because I've, I've done it before and yeah, I don't yeah. know why it's happy not to
0: point. P- look since um post Trump. Um, political advertising has been problematic, um, but that doesn't mean you can't do it, and you shouldn't be able to do it. Um, so yeah, let's let's have a chat later because um, it, it would be a brilliant way to get your name out there for this type of purpose.
1: Good on you, yeah. Pete. Not, it- yeah, just
0: trying Thanks, to do the honey, right thing. The best. <laughs> Thank you. I don't hear that often enough.
1: <laughs> so look, I do want to ask you this question. Um, you last ran in for the seat of Fannie Bay, right? And now you're running for the seat of daily. Now, Fannie Bay is just a question of re- literally walking around and letter, letter dropping, right, or letterbox dropping. Really easy. Get up a, on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning when it's nice and cool and just walk around and drop letter, drop uh, pamphlets off into letterboxes. What do you do in de- daily? How do you campaign? Oh,
2: that's, that's the beauty of knowing people i guess throughout the whole electorate um and being able to make connections through those people whether they vote for me or not is a completely different thing um but i guess that's the beauty of it and it's you know i think it's more valuable to make those connections with people and get them on your side particularly when you're campaigning like this like you could do letterbox dropping in you know the smaller towns timber creek adelaide
3: river bachelor
2: pine creek um but you know there there is a large uh, majority of people that live on uh, rural and bigger blocks, I guess, you know, you've got partial stations and stuff, you can't access them. And so that's where and knowing people and fortified, yeah. There's
0: dogs. Well, and- <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm. Um oh, you so go to Palmaston mate <laughs> to do <that> too.
3: Yes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but in you know bush blocks, so that's a huge risk. And you see you hear it all the time as well with uh, like you know, just on community pages, it's people going, you know, you've got two sides. You've got people going, I can't believe these politicians are leaving these flyers on my on my gate. How dare they? And then on the flip side, people say well, we're not voting for them because they didn't leave a flyer on my gate. So, it's mm, literally right. 50-50. You can't, yes. you can't win. You can't, and yes. I just don't I don't think it's a, a good use of resources or time in that aspect. I think mm. just picking picking your points, you know, going to the markets which you go to anyway, you know, going to the shops, talking to business owners and, you know, be, I guess also just being known in the electorate is really handy. Obviously, this particular one is, is, is a bit of a struggle because Water, Water has a huge uh, voter turnout in comparison to, I guess, well, the daily the daily mobile voting teams, which includes Water, um, have quite a strong uh, turnout for Labour voters. Um, so you know, and that's you know, I think is it it can be it can swell up to three thousand people in Water. I think so. It's quite a quite a big community when you look at it, but, yeah, knowing, pe- knowing people and knowing who to talk to in those in those key areas is probably the most efficient use of my time anyway. I don't have hundreds of uh, paid staff or, you know, members of volunteers.
0: Yeah, plus you're trying to work a full-time job at the same time, so, you know. Yeah, my, my
2: boss has been lucky to give me a few days off this week. Right. <laughs> so, I was very happy that he agreed to that. Um,
3: but yes, it is quite tricky to, to work full time.
0: So let's look inside the crystal ball and say that uh, Rebecca Jennings, the Independent, gets up in a landslide victory and gets to <laughs> represent <laughs> her constituents in uh, four years from now or three years from now when the next territory election is being held. What are the top three things that your constituents are going to say that you did for your electorate.
2: So I would I would hope the basic public services. So some form of uh, you know we talked about the transport move, being able to move people around, um, find you know finding fiber ways to do that. Um, another, and I don't know the the application of this because obviously three years is not not a huge amount of time. Um, but identifying alternative uh, recreation areas. So I have been talking to people in the areas, you know, we've got hunters, we've got fishers, we've got forward drive enthusiasts, um, but we've also got land owners, landholders that are frustrated with people accessing, accessing their blocks and, and trespassing. But then because there are no identified areas for, for these activities specifically in the, in the region and everything's just relied upon crown land, there is also misinformation about what is crown land and what isn't crown land as well, mm. you know, in comparison to like is that Aboriginal land or is that crown land and what are we able to do on these particular lands? So I would like to put forward more recreational areas in the daily. Uh, fixing black mobile black spot mobile coverage would be nice. Um, mm. I've driven, driven the route between Darwin and Timber Creek many, many, many times um, by myself. Yep. Um, and the the particular concern is the Catherine to Timber Creek stretch and then obviously beyond to Kununara where you don't have mobile coverage until you hit uh, Timber Creek and then only when you hit there do you get Telstra. Um, and so that's tricky. And, you know, when we've got so many, you know, grey nomads and other tour, tour operators and also, you know, I guess trucking as well, along that route, I think it's it's um, very strange that we have black spots for such a huge stretch, it's very unsafe and then in a similar sense throughout the uh, daily but then even just outside of the Darwin River pub, you go like five minutes down the road, you've got no mobile coverage. You know, that's how how we're meant to promote industry and investment in in these areas when, you know, you can't even run a business without, you know, crazy amounts of expenses. Um, yeah,
0: that's true. I, I remember I drove once, um, I've said this probably a million times before to you, Leon, but I drove once from Broome to Caratha, which is a fair distance, and I was working the whole time and I reckon barring about 10 minutes, I had crystal clear mobile coverage the whole way there and back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is It is staggering that, uh, that we still have... Essentially, you know, once you get to Nunamar, um, it's just holding on for dear life for mobile coverage and then, you know, you seem to be able to get it as you're five minutes away from various towns along the way but there are huge black spots still to this day.
2: Yeah, well, and also, like, so I grew up in a rural area and that's where, uh, you know, when mobile phones, I guess, were, were starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger but there was no point in me having a mobile because they. You know, I was at my friend's house, yeah. and we would be, you know, riding riding around the motorbikes or whatever, push walking or, or whatever we were doing. Um, and then if my mum wanted to get in contact with me, or you know, maybe she wanted to pick me up earlier or whatever the case, you know, when I when I was younger, is that you'd always have to call the the house phone, so call the landline, and then obviously living in the rural area as well, you know, you've got issues with landlines, you know, things eating through the wires, flooding, mm-hmm. just general blackouts, um, and you know, that's just that's just the rural area. I'm not even thinking beyond beyond that into the more regional
3: and remote areas.
2: So it, yeah. it, it does become a bit of a safety issue. And you know, you do losing connectivity is not good in this day and age. And I just I just don't understand why we keep disadvantaging Northern Territory by not supplying basic infrastructure, like you said, from Broome to Karaha, That's bloody yeah. remote, yeah, but you've is. got coverage the entire way.
0: It is, but think of it to, as an advantage to a point. Because um, if we had uh, really good mobile coverage throughout the daily electorate, then one of your uh, competitors would be on this podcast as well. So that's true. <laughs> well, I think you've
1: got a good relationship with him, though, haven't you? I think your trading preferences are you or not?
2: Yeah, we we did. Um, because the risk, even though I do want, I do have a preference for voting local. The risk was that if we do see um, the Labor candidate get in, he'll sit on his hands and we've already identified that the budget is focused solely on where he did work. Um, I the, I just think the risk is too great, at least with another candidate, um, that there will be hopefully some sort of push so that next election, you know, they keep that stronghold, I guess, and, and that it's not just a continual... Mm. Um, Labour seat where only investments make went into one area, you know. So that's that it was a very, very difficult decision to make. Um and obviously Wayne coming into it to it late as well. Um, I don't I don't really personally know Wayne. I did I do know his son, but I don't know him that well. I just know, know men around the traps, I guess. Um but I don't know him that well. So it was um, you know, which whose corner did I want to be back into? Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not conservative, you know, I'm young i guess or younger not young anymore i'm nearly, uh,
1: nearly 30 um, <laughs> no, I think um young. So, so, so you're not conservative you're young no. what on earth well, no, that
3: but I,
2: was saying, I was gonna say is i'm young and i'm a woman and so you know we, we've been privy to to uh i guess uh legislation changes and social changes that we didn't re- like you know, there were, there were, we did have to fight for some things, but they were already established. You know, where if you talk to um, older women about, you know, if I'm a feminist, I'm like, well, oh, I, I don't really know, am I a feminist? And they say, well, do you believe in, you know, equal rights? Do you believe in, you know, all these sorts of things? And I was like, yeah, of course, but that's because I've already had, I've already got them. So mm. I don't, I don't have to challenge myself because I'm like, no, that's just the norm. That's just the norm. That's just the, the, the as mm. it is. And so, um, so, it, it's hard to, to know where you particularly stand when, um, you know, what, you, what I'm fighting for, you know, I guess at the moment is just, um, you know, e- you know equal- more equality, I guess, but it's more of a regional thing. It's not specific to, to, to gender or, or anything like that. And, you know, I am I am more environmentally focused as well. You know, the discussions we had just before with fracking, I'm more environmentally focused because it blows my mind why we keep going down, down this route, but... That's because I've been privy enough to experience the renewables kind of age kind of come into fruition without having to to debate about it in the 60s, about, you know, let's let's not blow things up and go through oil crises and, and whatnot. So,
3: mm. yeah, so,
2: so I'm not conservative, but the risk was do I back into Labor and then all the votes go to Labor and then nothing absolutely happens for the region whatsoever because of the Labor candidate. Wait, is he going to move into the electorate? Just because he's worked in water doesn't mean mean anything really does he doesn't he understand the the issues and and struggles and um the opportunities that exist in the in the area just because he lived in water for a couple of years um and then moved you know into i assume he lives in darwin um so that that was it was a very difficult decision for preference very very difficult even though you know i might i may not i may not even get hardly any votes but still as a you know for, for my own purpose it was difficult to try and. Try and
1: decide. Well, you might be a kingmaker just looking at those numbers, Rebecca. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're talking about 100 votes uh, that decided the last uh, election for the seat of Daly. you may very well be a kingmaker, Rebecca. But putting all of that aside, I want to congratulate you uh, for um, putting your hand up to run. It's it's uh, quite a, um, well, You know, it's it's a sacrifice because you've got to fund yourself, uh, you've got to take time out of your job, and you've got to do a lot of hard work. I mean, campaigning is hard work. There's no question about it. So, uh, it's great to see a young person like you, um, under 30, female, uh, I mean, all those things, I think it's fantastic, and it's a great uh, tick for democracy to see that happen, and I just, uh, it'd be great to see more people, um, more young people stand up and take charge because there's a lot of old people that have been around far too long that are still <laughs> dabbling in things that they should
0: just go I They should have retired yeah. years ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so,
2: so thank you. Thank you, Leon. And I agree. And, you know, we look at um, the recent Litchfield election. We've got young Andrew Mackay going for council. I know it's not, I know it's not our territory. Um, but you know he's going to council, went to mayor as well, and that's a really tight game for mayor at the moment into council. But it looks like he's going to get up as councillor for the central ward, and he's only in his mid twenties himself. Right. And so, and mm-hmm. rural went to, to Min, Min. I actually went to school with his older brother, so it's good to see. I really, really hope there is a bit of a bit of a change um, happening. But you need you need people to be visible. Like my, you know, I, you know, you need to see people doing it so other people mm-hmm. can go, hey. I can actually do
0: that as
2: well. I'll put my hand up. Um, mm-hmm.
0: so, Fantastic.
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, Rebecca, when you went to Min Min, did you do um, animal husbandry?
2: No, I did. Agriculture was – uh, not my favourite subject, but that's probably because in year eight we had to clip a lot of the goats' toenails, and it's really Uh-oh. disgusting. Um, so you've got to clip their toenails, and then because you're only thirteen years old, yeah. and you know the teacher's guiding you, and you know you make a little bit of a mistake
0: and you yeah.
2: clip them too much. I even tried to raise chickens, and we had to incubate them, and they kept they kept dying of unknown reasons, and even the teachers <laughs> were like, "We don't know what's going on." We're sorry, Rebecca, you have another one.
0: <laughs> Covid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wouldn't it be so bird, just, flu? Well, bird flu
1: bird flu <laughs>
2: so I just I don't, I don't know maybe that was just maybe that was just me because in comparison yeah. my sister really enjoyed agriculture and she ah. ended up adopting um, a, a rooster and he lived until he was about 11 so that was quite wow.
1: impressive <laughs> have you been vaccinated yet Rebecca?
2: Uh, first one I've got to get my second one soon
1: oh good so you, you, you're not an anti-vaxxer then no, I'm good not an anti vaccine No, not at all.
2: Good to hear. Um, I, I don't really want to have that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's no, <laughs> no, because it's quite a. It's quite a. Um, it's quite contentious? An interesting, yeah, it's quite it,
3: easy. Yep. It, is, it is contentious. Well, it um, don't let them push
0: around. That's as simple as that. It shouldn't be contentious. Don't let you know, people don't like we, Leon push around with the guinea vaccine. No, haven't? it's not. It's <laughs> not. It's a question
1: of, 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 of a public good, Pete.
0: No I'm I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah you know yeah, you know it's that, a, right? it's,
1: a, it's a public good and look it unlike religion where it doesn't really matter mm. you know what you believe in um uh covid does matter.
0: Well well let me also just tell you something and you guys may or not, may not be aware of this right but we know that New South Wales is in licorice all sorts at the moment, okay. And and Melbourne specifically, rather than Victoria is as well. Those two states have basically now said, we're not trying to stop this anymore. So if you don't get vaccinated, you're in you'll go to, and you are susceptible and whatever, then there'll be people that die because they can't control it and they're not going to try to. They're just trying to minimize it get vaccinated and the whole thing will get sorted. So, so when are
1: they going to open the borders again?
0: Well, well Victoria for regional shortly, probably next week. But that that's the uh, that's the interesting byplay at the moment because New South Wales has never been fully locked down. Despite what you've seen and heard, there have been certain areas that have been open the whole time. And that that's where like, yeah. that's where their issues have come from. But essentially she's gone so so you know we had this The other day, we had 1,209 new cases, which is the most ever in one day. Mm. So many deaths. This was the headline. 1,209 cases, six deaths, and restrictions, certain restrictions to ease. Mm. Whereas up until now, it would be the complete other way. So Mm. if you don't get vaccinated, you can be anti-vax. You can be whatever you want. But if you don't get vaccinated your life will be restricted very soon because yeah. you won't be able to travel interstate, you won't be able to travel overseas, you won't have your little flag on your Centrelink thing uh, or on your MyGov account and, you you know, you'll have to stay where you are.
3: So, the, like, I, I've had pneumonia before and mm. they've said that
2: it's like pneumonia tenfold, like, really right. it's horrendous. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I personally don't want to risk that. I don't know if my lungs ever recovered. Like, I still run around and play sport and everything like that. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said, I'm young, um, yeah. but I, I have I did have pneumonia a couple of years ago, and it was it was horrible. It was horrendous, you know. Mm. Um, I was so so sick. You know, I was on I was a, on antibiotics and steroids for two months. Like you know, the, the doctor was like, "You should be in hospital on an oxygen machine." I said, "No, I'm fine," um, which is really stupid. And so having having not gone through that, um, and to think that it's way worse, yes. Yeah is just horrible to me, and I, you know, I was a young, healthy, twenty-five-year-old back then. Um, mm. I, maybe I was twenty-four. Um, <laughs> really, you know, to think to think about that and that the, the risk of me catching it—I guess I just don't want to experience that again. Mm. And to think why other people that are particularly vulnerable don't don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, besides, obviously, all the freedoms of being able to move around Australia, but I just think that you know, health-wise. It was horrendous and I wouldn't like to experience something similar.
0: Yeah, fair
1: call. All right, well, we'll let you go and have some sleep so you can get up and uh, and get back into it. But uh, all the best, Rebecca. It's been really great
0: uh, speaking with you on the podcast.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Thanks, Leon. Thanks, Peter.
0: Thanks for chatting with us, Rebecca.
2: No worries. And uh, hopefully everybody votes for me. <laughs> Because we need the change. We need the change.
0: That was Rebecca Jennings, the independent candidate for the seat of Daly at the upcoming by-election on the Territory Story podcast. We'll catch you again next time. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story podcast on all leading podcasting platforms or go to territorystory.com. The Territory Story Podcast, thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.